Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper titled Equine, Cervical Pain and Dysfunction, Pathology, Diagnosis and Treatment. This is by Melinda R. Story et al. And the simple summary for this paper is that neck pain and dysfunction in the horse is becoming an increasingly important topic among riders, trainers and veterinarians. Some horses may present for a subtle performance decline, while others might show a dramatic or dangerous change in behavior. But it's important to recognize how to carefully evaluate the horse in an effort to understand the different types of pain that may be contributing to these different behaviors. The musculoskeletal and nervous systems may both play a role in the development of these clinical signs, whether they are subtle or dramatic, and recognizing that there are many diagnostic options, as well as several treatment choices is really important. So this paper covers the disease process that could contribute to the development of neck pain in the horse and dysfunction, and as well as several diagnostic and treatment options that are currently available. And Nancy suggested this paper for this week, and I'm really glad you did, Nancy, because It's an area we haven't actually covered before, surprisingly. We've talked about lameness, we've talked about back pain, and I think even just from the premise of us having overlooked talking about this, it probably is an area that it seems to not get as much attention, but could be the contributing factor to why we're seeing a horse present with a lameness. Yeah, and I thought it was really unique because a lot of times a horse can be having neck pain and not be showing it in the neck region and in this instance um, they I guess we're talking about nerve pain and pinched nerve in some instances and how that more or less affected the forelimbs rather than really affecting the neck. So it's that neuropathic avenue that would send it where they would be more sensitive in their front legs. So it's fascinating. And I think we kind of covered that neurology in our uh, neurological exam episode Mm -hmm. and how it's like a roadmap and what you see might not be what's really happening, but I was interested in this and recommended it because the inflammatory pain that can happen along the neck region and the spinous processes or the vertebrae that are considered in the neck area, it can, you know, result in hypersensitivity. It can inflame tissues. I mean, it can even affect their immune system. So I thought this is so interesting to study because 
it's usually the last ditch effort you look at when you're treating a horse that's lame and you're not getting results and your last effort might be looking at the neck region. If there was an injury, a kick, um, some kind of uh, musculature pull. And I've been studying that myofascial release technique. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, "Mm, I'm, I'm not quite sure how this can work, but now I'm not so sure it, you know, I think it is a good thing because um, that myofascial pain, it can be chronic and it's pain within the musculoskeletal system, but it's confined to an area. So usually it's confined to trigger points in a muscle. And that's where that myofascial release by just applying pressure in that trigger point area releases that tension. And it's a physiological reaction. It's not like um, a theory that is somewhat unproven. So um, I, it's come a long way in the nineties and the maybe even early 2000, I wasn't so sold on it, but now, especially with having senior horses that seem to get aches and pains um, more and more, I think there is something to that. So um, they, this paper goes over the myofascial um, reactions and all that. And it's the therapy is so gentle and it's just constant massage that releases tightness and pain throughout the myofascial tissues. And sometimes, you know, there are different pressures so um, it's really neat. I, uh, I'm really interested in it and just the whole neurology of the horse from head to tail. It's just almost like you'll never learn it all. And it's just a big puzzle, but it really is interesting to those of us interested in that. I think as well, like physiotherapy is an area that I've always had kind of been drawn towards and I think there's so many positives that come from doing um, physiotherapy modalities with horses I've more so kind of been drawn to physio over chiropractory and Mm -hmm. and that's something that maybe we can look into some papers on that because I think that's just a personal bias where I'm a little bit more afraid of chiropractors (laughs) Uh, when it comes to you know the joints and cracking bones and things it's less my thing but I I find when it comes to these types of pains it's really interesting because it is the body's way of protecting itself and they say that inflammatory pain you know the pain that's associated with that inflammation is telling the body not to move in a certain way or not to do a certain action because that's going to limit that joint or that soft tissue and it's going to allow healing so rest is super important with inflammatory pain as well but there's other other things that kind of come into triggering and exasperating inflammatory pain in um, animals and in humans and this paper is really interesting too because they look at a lot of human research when it comes to neck pain because there's not a lot of equine research currently out there 
And they even said the prevalence of neck pain in humans ranges from 30 to 50%, which I thought was really fascinating because as riders, our neck mobility is so important. Like us looking where we're going is telling the horse, like that is such a big aid and a signal for what direction we want them to go in. So I thought as like a little caveat to the paper, just where they mentioned that, I thought it it does actually tie in so nicely because if you have neck pain and you're looking over your left shoulder and you're starting to get a twinge, the horse picks up on that. Like if you suddenly tense up or you change your body language over it, that sends a message to them too. So I thought that was interesting. But from a point of view of the horse, these are things that you can see come on quite suddenly. Um, particularly where we have like pinching of the cervical nerve along the neck. That can happen. Typically, it's seen more in young male horses that are growing quite quickly. They can get pinching um, and that's wobbler syndrome. But we can see it in older horses, too, with degenerative changes in the spine and osteoarthritis. And that can literally range from them having um, stiffness or inability to move their neck through a normal range of motion. They can have that decrease in performance that we mentioned. Um, and it can actually exasperate to a point where horses um, will resist work. And that can be subtle or it can be as dramatic as them stopping and refusing to go forward. And they may even rear and flip over backwards if the rider continues to ask more forcefully for them to move forwards. And I just thought that was really interesting in the paper because that is the level of pain that they might actually be hiding to a degree because of their behavior and the nature of the horse. Because I think if you knew a horse was in that level of pain, you wouldn't even have gotten up on their back. But they're really good at disguising these things, too. So it's only when you're actually asking them to do a certain motion or to perform something in the arena. And that's why it's really important that we're constantly just doing a bit of a check in at each point, you know, mentally thinking, right, are they moving fluidly? Are they resisting? And if they are resisting, I think a lot of the time our go to is, oh, they're being bold or they're napping or they're not wanting to work hard today. Um, but I think we need to separate that out and that always needs to be a secondary thought. And the forethought is why, you know, what's causing this change in behavior. Yeah. And I think also uh, in that line, they were talking about spooking too. All of a sudden your steady horse begins to spook and uh, how often do we start to think, well, maybe it's ocular, maybe there's something going on there. You know, you, I just never thought about that being neck pain or mm -hmm. pain. Um, I guess it could even be sacroiliac pain. I mean, the whole spine uh, from pole to withers to sacroiliac, I mean, there can be so much to go wrong along those lines, especially when it comes to injuries or arthritis and osteochondrosis, um, things like that. And so they did 
note say that, you know, all of a sudden onset of spooking in a tried and true horse should should be a kind of a wake up call that something's not right here. Yeah, that's a really great point. And a shout out to the fact that they point out using the horse grimace scale. I love when that comes up in a paper because <laughs> that scale is so useful. Like I'm probably going to end up talking about it. So I'm blue in the face. But if you have not yet looked at the horse grimace scale, please take a couple of minutes today and go look at it. It's so useful for picking up those subtle signs of pain. Yeah, and they made some good um you know, remarks about palpating and looking and feeling and watching the horse's response to what you're doing. And what is so cool about this paper is they had in their supplemental material a video and it showed, a, a you know, I guess it would be a physio examining a horse that you know, really a whole lot didn't come up other than he was back sore. And she started at the pole. You can watch her work her way down. And that horse was just so sensitive when she got to uh, between the withers and the SI, when she got in the middle there. So that would have told me it was back pain. But when they actually had to put the horse down because he just became too, um, there was just, he just couldn't be handled. He was very reactive and he had things from the neck through the lumbar to the sacro sacroiliac, I mean, to thoracic. He had so much wrong when they did the necropsy that they made the right call to euthanize him. Yeah, I think definitely that call has to be made where welfare is the most important thing. And if we can't relieve suffering, then that is definitely the correct port of call for that animal. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think when you're addressing the, this type of pain, I think first you have to break the pain cycle. So that might be using a little um, bute or a anti-inflammatory that your vet would recommend for your horse. And then that's going to help them get a little bit of a relief from that nerve pain. And then you want to improve their mobility when um, the vet says it's okay to do that. And that would be like physio uh, therapy. And it may be um, massage. It may be um, ridden work, slow ridden work over ground poles. I mean, there's so much available to us now in doing um, improving mobility, even our baited stretches uh, that we did an mm -hmm. episode on would be recommended. And it might help you um, get beyond where that horse is stopping from coming through. And uh, in the myofascial release, they said, um, don't force anything, let the horse uh, retreat and you know let give to them wanting to back off but then try again 
and nothing forced. And um, I think that's I think that's true in any aspect of horse management. You can't force a horse to do anything. And if you do have to force them, there's a problem. You can always work with them and teach them what you want. And they're usually pretty giving in any situation. When it's pain, though, listen to what they're saying. Yeah. And those bases exercises are a great way to try and encourage stretching without force. You don't need to bend their neck side to side and create those stretches. You can literally hold a carrot and let them do it themselves. Because even years ago, like I remember doing those exercises with my horse and we used basic ones, but we also used a combination of just holding the head collar and pulling her head back. And you're like, obviously the horse is going to be stronger than you and they will resist. But you are putting force on that and you can cause damage doing that too. So it's much better to allow them to move within their comfortable range of motion doing the bases exercises and then build up and you'll notice they'll be able to stretch more as the weeks go on. Yeah. And I think Kate, that's such a good point because if you strengthen the spine where it's lacking, that will support the horse to be able to go on into training or into maybe it might just being a pasture pet, but it will Mm -hmm. support them to not be dealing with pain every day for the rest of their life. And um, I think the other thing that I really thought was good about this paper were the long list of references. And a lot of those papers uh, are on Google Scholar, so they're accessible. And a lot of them were from 2018 through 2022. So I just went through and looked at some of the more recent ones. So um, really good information on um, pinch nerves in horses, and that can happen all along the spine. And then also um, muscle asymmetry and how you can work with the horse to fix that imbalance because what will happen is they'll just continue to favor um, the weak side and put more pressure on the other side. And eventually, you know, it's not going to work. You've got to rebalance them. And that might even be doing a different sort of hoof trimming than what's Mm -hmm. being done. You might have to start at the foundation, which is the hoof, and readjust it slightly, and then the repercussions go all the way up. And I think that's where you have to make sure you are using a reliable practitioner. And we've mentioned this before, like we're lucky in Ireland that farriers are accredited and they have to undergo a lot of training to be able to call themselves a farrier in Ireland. But we know, Nancy, you've mentioned in the States, it's not that way. And in a lot of other countries, it's not that way yet, unfortunately. So just be careful who you're getting to do the trimming because it has such an incredible effect on the entire body of the horse. Yeah, and I think too, like this paper is open access. So I'll put the link on the homepage, but when you get into these spinal nerve roots and all this, um, it will be uh, anybody having problems with, you know, 
sometimes a horse will get sore from a vaccination. And especially if it's been given in the musculature of the neck, um, you'll see what a stiff neck looks like in a horse. And fortunately, they get over it in a couple days. But if ever you see that, um, you know, that's what we're talking about. And sometimes uh, horses are, are so good at covering that you just think um, they're not bending or flexible on the one side. So like Kate says, they can hide it pretty good. But um, this paper will kind of open up a new world that of what can happen between the pole and the withers and certain things you can talk about with your vet um, uh, about addressing any of these issues with your horse or if it's even a possibility. And there are a number of different treatments and it's very specific to what's going on with your horse. So I might just list out the different treatments that there are available just to kind of give people an idea, but we won't go too in depth with the different ones. For diagnostic imaging, there are a couple of different imaging techniques we can do. We can do radiography, which is x-ray. We can do ultrasound, uh -huh. nuclear scintigraphy, which is um, a bone scanning technique, three-dimensional diagnostic imaging, so that's your CT and your MRI. We can do electrodiagnostic evaluations, uh, surgical evaluations, and then there's also medical treatment options so that's the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, often called NSAIDs. They um, will bring down that inflammation, which we mentioned, which is going to have an effect. Um, biophosphate sources can be given as well. So these have an effect on bone turnover, might have a therapeutic effect uh, from that remodeling bone point of view. Gabapentin is a great one that we use in small animal as well. Um, it treats neuropathic pain, so it works actually at the point of um, the brain, I suppose you could say in simple terms. We actually give this to cats that are aggressive coming into practice, and it seems to calm them right down. It works really nice as a bit of a relaxant. Um, my theory with that is we have a lot of cats that are also great at hiding when they've got arthritis or they're in pain. So. If they're not too happy coming into practice, it's often because they know they're going to be pulled and poked and they are sore and they don't want you to do that. So same with horses. When we start to see those signs of pain or if they're resisting, it's a good indicator that something is going on underneath. And then they can also have muscle relaxants. You can get chiropractors. You can get physiotherapists to do therapeutic exercises. There are so many, so many different modalities listed here. One that I have actually had the pleasure to see in horses is acupuncture. And it really surprised me how effective it was. Um, I actually then went and had acupuncture myself because I was curious and would also recommend it from a human point of view. But seeing horses react to it, where their whole body relaxes, they just lower their heads, they relax that bottom jaw, and it's almost like they go into this meditative state. So a really fascinating modality that I think would be great to see more of in practice. 
Yeah, in one of the other treatments were intra-articular corticosteroids. And I will say the EVJ, Equine Veterinary Journal podcast, just put out an episode on this um, on the side effects of this. And it's pretty interesting. So um, if you are looking into that because you have a horse that is having um, joint issues, um, have a listen to that podcast because it was pretty good. And it was in um, general terms. So they didn't use a lot of scientific um, words to describe what was going on. Very interesting. That's EVJ podcast. I think it's on Spotify, Apple, and, uh, you know, pretty good pertinent uh, recent research as well. Yeah. And there's a number of other ones that are listed in this paper as well and different surgical therapies too. But I think, as Nancy said, like this is open access. If you have a horse that's suffering from any kind of pain, this literally puts breaks it down into small little paragraphs and it's a long paper it is about 21 pages long so a bit of a read if you aren't used to reading scientific papers I really recommend it because you can actually dip in and out of this paper you can just look at the surgical therapies or you can just look at the medical therapies the therapeutic ones and take little bite-sized chunks at a time and work through it. And it's um, really quite interesting and a lot of options out there for treating this kind of pain. I think as well, just we need to become a little bit more attuned to picking up on it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, they just, it's such good support to to be able to have hope that your, you know, horse will return to the state of its, of being well and being able to, you know, maintain good spinal health and um, hopefully be able to be ridden as well and continue to be ridden, you know, for all their days. But a lot of times it's just their pasture pets when a severe injury happens. So, uh, but you never give up. You you know, the research is coming out every, how many papers do we we read in a week, Kate, it's new coming out, you know. So anyway, this is a good paper, uh, you know, have a read on it. And, you know, it's, it's really uh, neat to see them covering uh, horses that do experience pain in their neck region. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. So thanks again, Nancy, for suggesting this one. And we'll be back again next week. Okay, thanks so much, Kate. Bye-bye. Thanks, Nancy. You take care.